Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center, a church dedicated to loving God and serving people. Today, Pastor Preji continues to teach from the new series Emmanuel with the heart for hosting God's presence in our lives. We believe this word will be a blessing to you. Today we are going to the next level. Are you ready with me? We are again going to study one particular story. This is from the New Testament. This is the story of how Jesus healed a blind man. And usually, see, Jesus healed a lot of blind people in his time of ministry on the earth. And yet, when we read the story of this particular blind man that God healed, the Apostle John, he dedicated an entire chapter in trying to explain how this happened, what happened, where did it happen, what happened because of this healing. You know, John, his focus in the Gospels has, has been to reveal the divinity of Christ. See, every author, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know that these guys are Gospel writers. Matthew, when he wrote the Gospel, he wrote the gospel intending it to be written to the Jews and revealing Jesus as the Messiah, as the king of the Jews. So you would see a lot of emphasis on the kingdom of God and, and in the kingship of Jesus in the book of Matthew. In Mark, you would see Jesus as a servant, as a, as a son of man. Son of man is the, is the term that is frequently used. He's, he's, he's shown as a servant in the book of Luke you would see Jesus as somebody who can even preach and minister to the Gentiles. You know, the book of Luke was written to a Gentile called Theophilus by a, a, a Dr. Luke. And, and he's writing it to the Gentiles saying, hey, this message is not just for the Jews. This is for all the world, wherever it goes. But when John was writing his gospel, his focus was to prove to us that this Jesus, who is the who is the king, who is the uh, servant, and who is also somebody that Gentiles can relate to. He is also God himself. That is why he began with saying, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and that word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. So he's not, not just a king and a servant and a, and a great teacher and a healer and a helper, but he is also divine. He is also God. Amen. So that is the focus of the book of John. So we have to pay very close attention to how he would illustrate the stories because he's writing it from this lens that he, he wants to show to us how God is dwelt and he is dwelling with us. That is the whole premise for the book of John. Let's go to John chapter 9 and verse 1. The Bible says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from his birth. See, this man, he was blinded. He couldn't see. See, our sight is what we use to sense what our circumstances, sense uh, who are around us, sense you know, it's one of the important senses that God has given us, right? What are the other senses? Your smell, you know, your taste, touch, ears, your hearing. You know, all of these are senses that allow you to experience your surrounding, experience the, the food that, you, that, that is given to you or the, or the people that you have a relationship with. You use all these senses to have a relationship. And here is a man who is blind from the time that he is, a, he, he is born into the world. He, he doesn't know how to experience this particular sense in his life. He has never seen in his entire life. The thing is that even when he didn't see or experience this Jesus, the Bible says Jesus had his eyes on him. What does it say? Read it with me. As Jesus was walking along, what did he, what did he see? What does the Bible say? He saw who had been, he saw a man who had been blind 
from birth. So it's, it's not, we are not just talking about Jesus passing by and no, there is a specific detail that is given there that, hey, Jesus saw this person, that Jesus' eyes was locked onto this person. See, usually our eyes, what we see or our senses, different senses that we have, we use those senses to pursue a person or to pursue a, 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 an object or a pursue a, a, a food or whatever, right? And, and here is Jesus, his eyes are locked into this man who is blind from birth. In spite of this man not being able to pursue Jesus, in spite of this man not being able to seek after Jesus, in spite of this person not having the same revelation of Jesus, Jesus, his eyes were locked onto this man. So this morning I have a good news for some of us. I know that we have our own inabilities. I know that we have our own limitations. Those areas where we cannot experience God, where we feel like, oh no, I can't see him or I can't smell him. You know, Sijo was saying that song, man of myrrh, aromatic one, come. I can't smell this one, man. I can't sense what is everybody else singing? What is everybody else talking about? I don't know anything what you guys are singing and talking about. The beautiful thing is even when you don't know him, he knows you and he has his eyes on you. Even when you can't smell him, even when you can't see him, he sees you. And he is coming after you, my friend. You know, the Bible says we didn't choose God, but God chose us. It's not like we could ever have chosen God. If we didn't go for God, you know, if we would have been searching for God, you know, some people when they share their testimonies, they say, I found God. No, you didn't find God. God found you. You were so lost in life. There was no way you could have even found your, you know, even your own self. And, and, and the Bible says, God found us. God found us. So, see, I'll tell you this. The reason this is so interesting and, and necessary for us to ponder on is to remember that we cannot host God's presence without God first pursuing us, without God first desiring for the relationship with us. This morning, the fact that you're here under the sound of my voice is a proof that God's heart is beating for you. If you can't see him, no problem. You can hear his voice coming through my lips. You know, there are, there are some senses that may be redundant or may not be fully functional in your life, but there are other senses, you know, somebody who is blind, you should go and spend some time with them. Their hearing is like really sharp. They can hear in a different level. That, that sounds that you and I would naturally ignore, it's, it's heightened in their ears. They, they will pay very close attention to those voices. So in this season, when you see, I cannot, I cannot sing like that person, I cannot worship like him, I cannot get biblical revelations like so-and-so person, or I cannot get prophecies or visions like this person, you have to use those other places that you, that you have access to, and you have to go dig deeper into those places. And you have to understand that even when I can't see him, he still sees me. He is still seeking after me. And then... Verse 2, it says, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? It's not the, it's, see, you should understand, it's not the blind man asking this. The blind man did not even ask for a healing. But the disciples, they asked Jesus, why is it that this guy is blind? Why is it that he is not able to see? Was it because of his own sins or... His parents' sins. I'll tell you the context to why they are asking this. They used to believe, at least the Pharisees, they used to believe, you'll see this in the later verses, they used to believe that if you're born blind, it's because you're a sinner from birth. You'll see that later on he calls, the, the Pharisees would say, what are you, who are you, where are you coming from? You've been a sinner from your birth. The reason the Pharisees saw him like that is because they saw this sickness or they saw this blindness and they said, this is a result of your sin. You've been a sinner. You're born as a sinner. You're a reject. There is no purpose to your life. But the Bible says the disciples wanted clarification on this and the disciples asked Jesus, why do you think this happened? Why is this guy a 
blind person from birth. Now, today I'm not necessarily hinting or talking about physical blindness. I'm talking about our spiritual senses being opened up to experience God, to experience the presence of God, to experience the tangible power of God. And we need to sometimes ask this question, why Lord, why is it that I have not seen a breakthrough in these areas? Why is it that I have not grown in my relationship with you? See, if the disciples would not have asked that prodding question, Jesus would have walked away. But they required a person who will stand in the gap. See, Jesus never went out of his way to heal somebody that didn't want healing. You should read the scripture for this. Jesus never forced anybody to be healed. Even when he did go out of the way to go and have a conversation with a guy who was lying next to the pool of Bethsaida for 38 years, Jesus asked him, why aren't you healed yet? And, and he had to have a conversation to see if this guy is ready to receive this healing. And in this case, it was not the readiness of this guy, but it was the readiness and the preparation of the disciples that engaged with Jesus, saying, why, Lord? What is the reason we are not experiencing this breakthrough? What is the reason that, they, that this guy is struggling? You know, it was, that, it was that devotion and that meditation of the disciples that caused a breakthrough for this blind man. It says, Jesus replied, it says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So the glory of God, the presence of God, the manifested, uh, you know, Emmanuel revelation of God can be seen through this person. It is not about sins. It's not about things that happened or didn't happen. It was about, hey, God wanted to reveal his power through this particular challenge, limitation. So, so if, you, if you feel that, okay, I, ca I can't do worship or I can't read Bible like everybody else, or I don't have the same gifts, abilities, talents that others have, it's okay. God knows how to use your failures, your brokenness for his glory. The Bible says, in fact, that he chooses the foolish ones. How many foolish people do we have in the house today? How many people feel that I'm not qualified for this? How many people feel that I, I don't think I can ever do it on my own? There are several seasons of my life when I will go to God with my plans and God would say, wait, that doesn't need my help. You know, you can do it on your own. And I would be like, God, what do you mean? God would be like, hey, you're making these plans and, and you're making it according to what your capacity. This is how much money you have. This is how many contacts you've got. This is how many invitations you have. This is how many people come to your church. And based on that, based on that calculation, you are making your decisions or you're making your plans. See, if your plans, if, your, if what God wants to do through your life, what your sense, your vision of what God wants to do through your life, if it is so small and limited that, that you know, that, that God is not necessary, that God's power is not necessary to fulfill that, then you have to doubt if that truly is God working. Because organically, we can do a lot of things without God having to be involved in our lives. You know, naturally, we can serve, we can worship, we can, we can do so many things. And, and it is, it's, it's so necessary for us to re rely on the power of God, on the presence of God, and on the glory of God and say, Lord, my life here on earth, it's not about how I can show off my talents. It's about how your power can be manifested, even through my brokenness, even through my limitations. Jesus goes on to say, we must quickly carry out the tasks that are assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. Jesus is talking about our assignments. Jesus is talking to the disciples, teaching them a principle in this place. And he says, hey, this is, this is not happened because of uh, our limitations, because of the person's sins or, you know, the parents' sins. It has happened for the glory of God. And yet, we must quickly work and carry out the assignments that God has given us. Because there's going to come a time when it will be darkness all over the place. It will be night and then no one can work. This, I believe, is referring to a, a, a future time 
When the children of God, you know that you have the privilege of walking into church every Sunday morning. There's going to come a time when that privilege will no longer be there for you. You like it or not, we're going to go into a day and a time when going to church will be illegal. When carrying a Bible will be illegal. Reading or installing a Bible app on your phone, that will be illegal. You can be jailed for something like that. It's going to come a time like that. You know, that is why we are drilling the word of God into you day after day. So that when the night comes, when no work can be done, when there can be no help, by then you will be able to stand on your own. By then you will be able, you will be the light in that time. You will be the one that will, will shine out a bright light for the people around you. That you would not be dependent on a pastor or a church at that time. You know, there's going to come a time when the church will have to go underground. When the church will not be uh, available on YouTube like it is available today. You know that already it is happening all over the world. That, that conservative voices, those that talk uh, Christian perspectives, they are being snuffed out. They are being stopped from expressing their views on public arenas. And it's going to come a day. There's going to come a day when the night will be upon us and then no work can be done. But Jesus said it like this. He says, but while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. And Jesus also said it like this. He said, hey, you, when you have a relationship with me, when you walk with me, when you follow me, you become the light of the world. And that is why I said, hey, even when you can't work, even when you can't do something, you can become the light of your own world. You can become the light wherever you are placed. There's going to come a time when you will not be able to preach the gospel, but you can still be the light. You can still be the one that would cause others to experience the presence of God, that would show the way for others to experience the presence of God. And the Bible says, next verse, after he taught this to the disciples, it says, then he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Now this, this is very weird for me because, hey, Jesus, you are supposed to be opening this man's eyes, not add another layer on his eyes. You understand what Jesus did here, right? He's not opening his eyes. He's making it more darker for him. He's making it more, more difficult for him to see. If he, if he even has the faintest sense of light, he's adding another layer of mud on it so that that will also be not there. See, sometimes when we go to God and we expect God to reveal himself to us, God is not going to take the route that you like. God is not going to do things the way that God did with the other person. You know, you, you, you're wondering, why is it that my breakthrough is taking so long? Why is it that my breakthrough doesn't come the same way that, you know, Tom's happened and Jerry's happened? And why is it that I'm not getting the same answer that, that these guys got? Because God, he knows what he's doing in your life. And you need to learn to trust the process that God will take you through. You need to learn to trust what God is doing through your life. See, when, when, when a doctor is working to try to heal you, he is not going to immediately fix you. He is going to first make it a little bad for you. He's going to cut. He's going to take out the, the wound from inside. He, he's going to try and do everything possible to fix the issue from the inside. And then he will sew it up and then he will take you through a process of healing. So just because you're not getting your answers immediately, it doesn't mean that God is not working in your life. Just because your situation seems to get worse, just because your situation seems to get bad, is going from bad to worse, it doesn't mean that God is not fighting your battles. This morning, some of you need to just trust the Lord in what he's doing in your life. You need to just say, Lord, I, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I will trust you. I don't know when the answer will come, but I will trust the process. And I know that in the, in the right time, in the right time, my eyes I will be able to see. In the right time, I will be able to experience what no eyes have seen. I will be able to taste and see that the Lord is good. It may take time. It may, it may be a different process this time. But I know and I know and I know that God is working in my life. 
the lord is looking for a generation of people in this house that is going to trust his ways that is going to trust his process that is going to trust what he is doing in your life the lord is looking for for people like that amen, amen. see the, the the challenge with so many of us is that when we don't see the answer come for two days for two decades for three decades for four decades we give up and we 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 push for our own thing you know like abraham right when he saw that it didn't happen his way he immediately resorted to you know sarah's way when when he saw that god didn't bless him with a child the way that god had promised him he he said okay let's take a vote and let's see what everybody else says what does sarah think how can we sort out this problem this is the promise of god and yet what can we do to help god to fulfill his promises you know we do that right we we try to help the lord to uh, to fasten his promises and and those are the things that that actually delay the promises of god in our life but in this season the lord is expecting some of us to trust what he is doing in our lives trust the process and he and he told this guy now go and wash yourself in the pool of siloam siloam means scent so the man went and he washed and he came back seeing isn't this amazing it says that the, that that jesus told this guy now now that i have put this extra layer of mud over your eyes now this is what i want you to do i want you to go and wash it wash it in a particular pool wash it in this pool of siloam now see this guy is already blind and on top of that jesus added another layer of blindness that he is not used to and now he has to figure out his way to the pool now he has to figure out his way to this place called siloam and that is where he is going to be healed that is where he is going to be restored that is where he is going to be touched with the presence of god and 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 i believe that some of you that are here in this house today you you're here because jesus sent you to a siloam that this is your siloam this is not the place this is not the source of your healing but this place that you've walked into this is a channel for your healing Amen. see some of you here you you're thinking okay this is going to be another sunday service no 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 you have no idea what happened during this week some of you the 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 mud the, the the problems the struggles that the lord added into your life this week that is going to be a layer that is going to be a channel for the lord to heal you this morning you are not going to go out of this place without seeing this morning you are not going back the same way that you came in i'm declaring that over your ability to see and sense and experience the presence of god you are not going to go back the same way says the man did not just come back washed yes he got washed of the mud but he also came back seeing he also came back experiencing everything that was shut to him for his entire lifetime so what you have not experienced from the time that you got saved till today is going to unlock in your spirit this morning is going to unlock in your in your ability to see and experience taste and experience hear and experience touch and experience smell and experience that the lord is good and he cares for you and he is doing something special in your life this morning when he came back the bible says his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? See, you wouldn't see any expression with this guy, okay? This guy is walking around like everything is normal, everything is okay. Thank God for the healing, but people around him started identifying the breakthrough God had given him. People around him started identifying that this is not the same joy that I met last week. people around him i started identifying that hey he has been to a place that we have not known he has met somebody that we have not met this guy has been to an experience that we have not experienced till now they started asking each other hey where is this coming from is this the same guy and and the bible says some said yes he was and others said no 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 
<laughs> he only looks like Joey. He's not actually Joey. You know, they actually said that. Some guy said, yeah, 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 this is actually the same person. Look at him. He is, he is different now. He's, he's not the same anymore. He, he, he feels different. His conversation is different. His, his, his confessions are different. Everything has changed. But somebody else said, no, 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 it cannot be the same person. I know Joey. How old are you, Joey? 25. He, he quickly did a calculation in his head. You know, I know Joey for 25 years. That's not the same guy. It's not possible that overnight he can change so much. It's not possible that overnight he can experience such a breakthrough. It's not possible. I don't think he's, he may look like him. I think that somebody else colored their hair and, and you know, <laughs> took his picture and did everything possible to make a look-alike version. But it's not the same person. May, may that be said about you this week. May that be your testimony that people around you look at you and say, no, no, you are not the same person. I can't believe it's the same person that I am talking to. I can't believe it's the same person that I have a relationship with. I can't believe this is the man that I knew for 25, 30, 40 years. Let that be said about you, even by your parents, by your siblings, by your spouses, by your children, by the places, in the places where you work. May that be said about you, that you, that you are different, that now your lifestyle has changed. The Lord is about to do something special this morning. Are you ready for this? It says, Jesus, it says this guy, he replied to them saying, no, 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 yes, I'm the same guy. I'm the same guy. I'm the same person. You, you don't seem to identify me, but I'm the same person. And then they asked him, hey, who healed you? What's the first question that they asked? Who? Who is it that you met? Who is it that you had a conversation with? And what happened? See, what happened is secondary. The first question is, who? Who did you have an interaction with? See, for this to have happened in your life, this could not have happened naturally. You couldn't have just woken up one morning feeling all fine. This had to take an encounter with a who. It had to be a person. It cannot be an incident. It had to be a person. It had to be a revelation of somebody that, is, that we have not met yet. So who is the person uh, who was behind this breakthrough that you experienced? Who is the person who is behind the joy that has been released into your spirit? Who is this person? What happened to you? And then he explained to them. He told them, the man that they call Jesus. Somebody said, they call Jesus. It said that, they, that this man, he made mud and he spread it over my eyes. And he told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. And I went and I washed and now I can see. See, this, this, this is what I want you to pay attention to. I told you this in the beginning. See, this man, he couldn't see Jesus. In fact, till now he has not yet seen Jesus, right? But the Bible says that he had heard about Jesus. What is his testimony? The man that they call Jesus. So he heard them calling him as Jesus. And he said, this man that they call as Jesus, Jesus means salvation. Jesus means the Lord is your salvation. And this man, he has been hearing about this Jesus for a long time. And it says that this man, because he had that, had that hearing that hearing made a way for him to obey this man. See, if, if this man, if somebody random would have walked up to him and said, go and wash your face in the pool of Siloam, and somebody had to spit and put that on your face, you're not going to take it easy. You're not going to really forget about listening to him. You're going to be really mad at him. You're going to go crazy all out. But here... The Bible says this guy, he couldn't see Jesus, but he heard about Jesus. And that, that revelation that he had through his ears, that little revelation that he had. He, he, see, it's not even like he called this guy Jesus. See, there was another blind guy that got healed because he said, Jesus, son of David, have? So here in this story, this is not the guy calling on Jesus, somebody else called the name of Jesus for him. 
And his revelation is what that guy prayed for him. And that revelation is what enabled him to see for himself. See, when these guys are asking him, who, who, who helped you? What happened in your life? And he said, somebody else called and I heard that voice. And I had a revelation in my ears. I heard it. And because I heard it, I obeyed what that voice told me. And because I obeyed, I got my deliverance. I got my freedom. Let me tell you this. You, you're waiting for your next level breakthrough. But today, some of you, you need to become faithful to the current revelation you have. The revelation you have right now. You need to become faithful to that. You need to become obedient to that. You need to, you need to submit yourself to what, all, what you already know. And when you, you know, obey that, and when you yield to that and you submit to that, that will open the door for a next and a greater revelation. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? See, I don't want you to limit yourself to your current revelation. This guy didn't, was not limited to hearing for the rest of his life. When he yielded to the hearing, he could also see. But it was necessary that he listen clearly. It was necessary that he give uh, heed to what he already has for him to climb onto the next level. We are always, you know, stuck where we are, either because we are not faithful to our current revelation or because we, we are satisfied with our current revelation. You're like, ah, oh, I can hear him say Jesus. That's enough. Jesus came and spoke to me. What can be better than that? Jesus spoke to me, right? Jesus spoke to me. I can live the rest of my life testifying that I met Jesus. This Jesus spoke to me. He personally spoke to me. He would even write his own gospel about how Jesus spoke to him. What Jesus gave him. The mud that Jesus put on his face. He can, he can write his own book based on that revelation, that experience that he had. But he, he chose not to be satisfied that with that revelation nor did he take that revelation for granted. He used that revelation to climb onto the next. Amen. He used that revelation to go into the next level. The next verse, it says in verse 12, where is he now? So the question they asked him is, where is he now? This Jesus, where is he now? You're talking about this Jesus that healed you, that gave you a word. Who is this person? Where is he now? And... How can we have that same relationship with Jesus? That's the question that they asked him. And he replied, he said, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know because I have not seen him till now. If you're asking me uh, where, you know, who did it, this was my revelation. If you're asking me what happened, this is what happened. But if you're asking me where is he now, I'm sorry, I don't know. I have no idea where this Jesus is today. And the next verse, it says that when they heard all this, they took him to the Pharisees. They, they, they wanted to address this with the Pharisees. You know, the Pharisees were the ones who would make religious decisions in, the day, in that particular day. They were the religious leaders. And it says they took him to the Pharisees. And because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had healed and, and made this man well... The, they, they, they wanted the, the ordination or a, or a final say from the, uh, from the mouth of the Pharisees. The Pharisees asked this man all about it. They asked him, how did this happen? Tell us. They asked the same three questions. Who did it? What happened? And where is this guy now? And this was his reply. Uh, he said, so he told them, this is the man. He put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. So he, the same thing that he told his neighbors and friends, now he's telling that to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders. So some of the Pharisees, they said, this man Jesus is not from God. They are making a declaration, and they're saying, no, 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 it cannot be. This man that you're talking about that they call Jesus, he's not from God. Uh, for he is working on the Sabbath. But others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such a miraculous sign? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. So there were some people 
who believed that, yes, you know, this, this cannot be an ordinary sinner. But there are others in the Pharisees who said, no, 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 this, this is just an ordinary guy. He is a sinner. He's, he's done something really bad. He's, he's done something really wrong. It is not possible that this, this Jesus is sent from God. So the, the phrase that I want you to pay attention to is that there was a division among their opinion. There was a division. Like, you know, they had, everybody had an opinion about this, right? The Pharisees, when this miracle came to the eyes of the Pharisees, they all had an opinion. And that opinion was all different. Somebody said, no, he cannot be an ordinary sinner. Another person said, no, 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 he's a very bad sinner because he did this on the Sabbath day. So the next verse, in verse 17, it says, then the Pharisees, again, they questioned the man. Second time, they're questioning the man. And he told, and he asked them, hey, this man who has been blind and, and who, who's, who has been healed of that blindness. They asked him, what is your opinion about the man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. So, so this, is, this, this is very interesting. See, the Pharisees, they have an opinion about this Jesus, right? What is their opinion? One, one group of people, they say that he is a sinner. Another group of people, they say, no, he must be like, he, he cannot be an ordinary sinner. How can he do something like this if he's a sinner? And when they asked the man who was healed, when they asked him, what do you think? What is your opinion? Okay, the word that I'm emphasizing on is what is your opinion? Now, the Pharisees had disagreements because they had an opinion. But this man, he was very clear about his opinion. He said, I think he must be a prophet. Now, I would ask this guy, wait a minute, what did he prophesy to you? What did he prophesy? Did he give you a prophetic word? No, he didn't. He just told you to go wash yourself in the water. He didn't tell you what will happen. He didn't tell you the persecution that will come through. He didn't give you any prophetic word. But how is it that you now look at him and you say that this is a prophet see the people that didn't have a revelation of the of this jesus they had opinions about this jesus but this man who had a tiny glimpse of this jesus see his revelation has not become full but who had a glimpse of jesus he did not have an opinion about jesus he had a revelation of who jesus is see in his natural ability he can never call jesus a prophet because Jesus never did anything prophetic with this man. And yet, now he has a revelation which is not from flesh and blood. You remember, Jesus told this to Peter. said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You did not read about this in Facebook. You did not just read about it in another book. You have received this as a revelation from my Father in heaven. So, see, this is the... The, the one thing that will characterize a lover of God, that will characterize a true seeker of God, that will characterize a true worshiper, that you will not just have opinions, you will not just have information, you will not just have knowledge, you will have a revelation about the person of God. You will have a revelation about the presence of God. You will have a revelation of the ways of God. You will have a revelation of what God does and how God does things and, and and if you if you read this scripture it says the jewish leaders they they still they didn't they didn't want to believe it says they refused to believe the man had been blind and that he could now see so they called his parents he said okay if this guy if he's been if he if he uh, was unable to see before but now he's able to see and we need to check with his parents if he truly couldn't see from his birth. So they called his parents. They asked him, is this your son? And they said, yes. And he said, was he born blind? If so, how is it that he can now see? So they replied. They said, we know that this is our son. And we also know that he was born blind. But how is it that he can see? We don't want to give you an opinion about it. You can ask him yourself. He's grown up. He has a revelation of this. He doesn't need my help to tell you how he was saved. He doesn't need somebody else to 
tell you the kind of revelation that he has had. If you ask him yourself, he will tell you how did he get this revelation. He will tell you how did he get healed. He will tell you how did he receive this breakthrough. The next verse it says uh, that, you know, his parents said this because they were afraid. Because the Jewish leaders had announced that anyone who say that Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. So for these guys, for them, what was priority was that they didn't want to get kicked out of the church. They're like, hey, we, we don't want to get in the bad books of these pastors. These pastors don't have the same revelation like you have. So we'll just tell them to go and ask you. You know, we don't want to get into their bad books. It says, that's why they said he is old enough, ask him. Not because they didn't know the source. See, his parents knew. He had told them, the man that they called Jesus healed me. But the parents didn't want to take ownership of this man's revelation. See, your revelation is yours. Nobody else can defend your revelation. Nobody else can stand and say, oh, wait, you have to believe him. No, if you have received something from the Lord, you have to be willing to stand up for it. And you have to be willing to be bold about it. And you have to be willing to pursue it irrespective of the consequences. And that is how your revelation will grow. See, this man, he would have never seen Jesus if he would not have persisted in his revelation. See, till now he has not yet seen Jesus. He has heard Jesus, right? And Jesus sent him to Siloam. But see, in Siloam, he got healed, but he has still not yet seen Jesus. So it's not just enough to hear Jesus. It was necessary for him to see Jesus now. And, the, and then it goes on to say that this man, he, he continued to believe. He continued to stay steadfast to his revelation. Even after all these problems and struggles, all these leaders, they are now saying, hey, this Jesus, he's a sinner. Why are you believing him? The parents are not willing to stand with him saying, oh, it's your revelation, your problem. You deal with this. We can't stand with you. The parents washed their hands off. And finally, it says, another time, one more time, they called the man and they asked him, hey, you need to give God the glory for what has happened. Because we know, we know that this Jesus, he is a sinner. How is it that you're giving glory to this Jesus? And then he, this, this is his reply. He said, see, I don't know whether he's a sinner. I don't know whether he's a sinner. But this is what I know. I was once a blind man, but now I see. I know my experience. I know my revelation. I know how he touched me with his hands. And I know what it did to me when I obeyed his voice. And no matter what you throw at me, no matter how many accusations you bring about this Jesus, because I have felt his touch. Oh, because I have received his power in my body. I cannot, I cannot, and I cannot, I will not be discouraged. See, this is the thing, a, a child of God who has a revelation, it is not easy to shake that child of God. He doesn't stand on information. He stands on revelation. He doesn't stand just on just human knowledge. He stands on divine wisdom. And today the Lord wants to give you that kind of a revelation that will cause you to not be shaken. It will cause you to not be shaken. You know, so many people, they lost their faith and they started questioning Things when some reputed pastors and speakers, when they left the Lord, when they walked away from God, and when they did things that God wouldn't like, and they had hypocritic lifestyles, their faith was shaken up. And it's because their faith was based on information. See, I can convince you that God exists with my information. But unless you have a revelation of who that God is, you cannot stand firm. You will still be, you know, the day that I, you become upset with me, the day that you leave this church, your information will go for a toss and you will stop serving this God. But if you catch a revelation in this house, it doesn't matter who calls who a sinner. See, right now, technically speaking, what is happening is the Pharisees are pointing a finger at this blind man's pastor and he says, hey, your pastor, he's a sinner. You should not be listening to him. And he's like, see, I, I don't know his life. 
I don't know where he's been, what he's done, but I know what I have experienced. I was a blind man and now I can see. I couldn't see once. I could only hear once. I had to rely on hearsay. But today I can see for myself. I can differentiate colors. I can see. I'm no longer the same. And, and, and that is my revelation. And then it goes on to say, but, but what, he, what did he do? So, so can you imagine the, these Pharisees, they are trying to get, uh, get him to make a mistake in what he said, okay? So you're like, so, so tell me, so what did he do? How did he do it? How did he heal you? So this man, you know, he, he lost his school this time. He said in verse 27, he said, hey, I told you this once already. Didn't you listen to me the earlier time that I told you that he put a murder and then he sent me to Siloam and then I went and washed my face and then, I, then the Lord healed me. I, I, you know, I told you this already. You're asking me the same thing over and over again. But then he asked them a second question. Why are you asking this again and again? Do you also want to become his disciples? So, so, you know, you may not understand this, but what this blind guy who's just started seeing, he's giving us some revelation on how to become a disciple. See, this is the key to become a disciple. This is the key to grow in your revelation of God. You have to give heed to your existing revelations. You have to keep reading it again and again and again and again till that begins to make sense. See, See, what is the Pharisees doing? They're asking him the same question again and again and again till they get a, a convincing answer, right? So this guy looks at him and says, wait, are you, are you also among those guys that ask questions to Jesus and, and you're trying to become a disciple of Jesus? See, this is, this is, this is how a disciple is marked. They are, they are not people who have all the answers, but they are people who constantly keep seeking. They are people who constantly keep asking and they are those that constantly are knocking and they don't give up. Disciples of Jesus don't give up. See, Jesus, he, he, would, he would tell the story of how this man would go in the middle of the night to get food for his friend. And it says the, the guy whose house he went to, that guy would say, no, I'm in the bed. I, I can't wake up. I can't give you the food. And this man, he kept knocking. He kept knocking. He said, no, I'm not leaving without me getting food. And because of his shameless persistence, he got food that day. So this morning, the Lord is looking at some people in this house and asking you, hey, is there any disciples in the house today? Is there anybody in this place who is saying, I'm going to persist and I'm going to shamelessly persist. I'm going to stay rooted here. I'm going to stay anchored here. And I'm going to keep asking and seeking and knocking till I have my answer. If, you, if, you, if you're going to persist and if you're going to pursue God like that, you are not going out without seeing once again. It says, then they cursed him, this Pharisees, pastors of the day. They cursed him and they said, you are his disciple, but we are the disciples of Moses. And then he goes on to say, we know that God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. So they are trying to reason with this guy's revelation, right? This guy... He's just became a Christian, by the way, okay? He's not like he's had years of biblical college and, you know, they have taught him apologetic, how to defend your faith, how to talk about Jesus, nothing. He's just talking based on his revelation, right? And they're they are coming at him saying, hey, we know that God spoke to Moses. How do you know who this guy is? How do you know where he comes from? And then he says, hey... That's very strange. You call yourself Pharisees, but this man, he healed my eyes and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and to do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has ever been able to open the eyes of someone that are born blind. But if, if this man were not from God, he couldn't have done this thing. So, so what these guys are doing is they, they are trying to discredit Jesus. And what this man says is, 
See, this is my revelation. And let me teach you something. And he begins to teach them back. And he's like, see, if this man is not from God, how could he have done this? Nobody has ever done this before. This is something that no eyes have seen. See, see the thing, the reason why they realize this Jesus to be the Messiah because of this healing is because one of the prophecies about Jesus is that when Jesus would come, he would open the eyes of the blind. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 42, chapter 43, multiple times, there, was a, there were so many prophecies about Jesus opening the eyes of the blind. And that was something that nobody had done before. See, Elijah, Elisha, they had raised people from the dead. But nobody had healed a, a blind eye. Somebody who has been blind. Somebody who has been blind from birth. Nobody's eyes had been opened in such a dramatic way. And, and he's like, nobody but God could have done this. And it is impossible that somebody who does this is not from God. And we know that God doesn't do uh, or answer prayers of people who don't walk in his will and those who don't worship him. And so this guy is now beginning to teach the, the, the Pharisees, the leaders, because they kept asking and arguing with him. He began to teach them. And so this was their response to the learning that they got. They said, you were born a total sinner. You remember? I told you. You remember that? Why the disciples asked, is, is this because of this man's sin or because of his parents' sin? Now the, the Pharisees say, this guy, no? You are a total sinner. They answered, are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. You've been born a sinner. You, you are not qualified to help us. And people will do that. People will point fingers at you and, and point at those areas of your life that are not perfect. They will point at that one area that you have not experienced healing or breakthrough or forgiveness or grace in. They'll say, ah, you, you know, I know your life. I know where you come from. I know what you did two years back. I know what kind of relationship you had. I know what you did with that money. I know who you are. That discredits the revelation that you have received. People will do that to you and they will disconnect from your life. It says they threw him out of the synagogue. And the next verse, are you ready for this? This is the powerful verse. It says, and when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man. When Jesus heard what was going through this man's life, what he was experiencing, it says he came and he found the man and he asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus came searching for him. See, this would not have happened if this guy would not have gone through so many trial and problem and struggle. But when Jesus, the Bible says when Jesus heard him. See, so many people got healed of Jesus. But you wouldn't hear of anybody that Jesus goes searching out to meet and, and, and give them a personal revelation to. But this man, he was so, so intentional about holding on to his revelation that he got excommunicated from his church. That his church pastors kicked him out of the worship team, kicked him out of the church, did not allow him anywhere near the church premises for the sake of his revelation. All that he said is, Jesus healed me. All that he said is, I saw Jesus, I, I heard Jesus. and Jesus told me to do this and I did it. And because of that, he lost relationships. Because of that, he lost his religious rights. Because of that, he lost the, the privileges of a good community. He got excommunicated. And that is when Jesus came. And Jesus heard what happened to this guy. And Jesus came and asked him, Son, do you believe in the Son of Man? And, and, and this, this man replied, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. He's not saying, I, Yeah, yeah, I do, I do believe. It's like, no, 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 I want to believe in him. Who is he? How can I meet him? How can I have an encounter with him? How can I experience him? I want to believe in him. I want, I'm desperate for that revelation. I, I, I've been, I heard about him last time, but now today I want to grow. I want to believe. See, this guy already did believe in Jesus. That's why he went and washed his face in the pool of Siloam, right? If he didn't believe, he would not have done that, right? See, if he, 
didn't believe, he would not have stood so steadfast about his confession to the Pharisees. If he didn't believe, he would not have been excommunicated from his family, from his friends, all of that. He did believe, but now he's talking about the next level of belief, where he can have a new revelation and then believe in this Jesus. And he says, how can I do that? Where is he? Can you please show him to me? I want to believe in him. So this morning, my question to you is this. Do you want this? It's not about, does God want to give it to you? Because even when you didn't see him, he saw you. Even when you didn't have this experience, he was wanting to give this experience to you. But my question to you is, do you want it? Do you want it? This, when, when Jesus came and asked him, do you want to believe in the son of man? He said, yes, I would like to. How can I find him? I want to. I want to. See, it was not a need in his life anymore. Because he did not need a, a, a healing in his body. Till yesterday, he needed him. Now, his, his physical breakthrough has happened. He did not need him. Today, he wanted him. Some of us, we need God. But some of us, we, we need to go above and beyond where we even want him. We are not dependent on him because, because of our our challenges and problems. No, no, no. We have to go beyond that where we say, no, 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 Lord. I want you. I am, I am desperate for you. I, I really, really need you. And this kind of a want and a desire and desperation is what will set you up for an encounter with your Emmanuel. Jesus replied to him and said, Tada! You've seen him speaking. The one that is talking to you, he is the one that, that you are looking for. Here I am. He just revealed himself. See, this Jesus who hid himself from so many people. You know, so many people wanted to know who is the Messiah. He hid himself. But there was this one man who was wanting to know who this Messiah is. See, when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus told the three disciples that saw him being transfigured. He said, don't tell anybody what you saw. You just saw the glory of God. Don't tell anybody about it. There is a time till then don't tell anybody. He didn't want anybody to know. But here he goes out of his way because of, the, because of this man's desperation. He goes and says, here I am. I am the Messiah. I'm the one that you seek. I'm the one that you want. Here I am. I'm you did not just hear me now. Now you got to see me. Immediately his reply was, yes. Yes, Lord, I believe. And the Bible says the man, he did not just reply. He said he began to worship Jesus in verse 38. He, you know, the, the, he, the Greek word of this word Lord is the word kurios. Kurios means the one who, who owns everything. Who, who has everything in his control who knows everything. He's, he's the master. He's the person in charge. So till now, he was calling him sir. But now he says, yes, your Lord, I believe. And immediately he began to worship Jesus. And then Jesus told him something. This is, this is so important. I want you to catch this, okay? Jesus told him, see, I entered this world to render judgment. What is the judgment? To give sight... To the blind and to those who think that they can see that they are actually blind. There are two types of rendering judgment that Jesus is doing here. What is he doing? There is a group of people who actually can't see. And Jesus is telling them, hey, I'm going to help you see today. And there is a group of people who have that feeling that I see everything. I know everything. I understand everything. But Jesus come to tell you, hey, you have not seen anything yet. You actually are blinded. You, you, are, you are not able to see. See, there were some Pharisees, it says, who were standing nearby and they heard him. And they asked him saying, are you calling us blind? We are, you know, we have memorized from Genesis to Malachi. You, you calling us blind? Are we blind? Jesus replied to them them saying, hey, if you are blind, then you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim that you can see. Verse 41, he says, he says, see, 
if, if you were just blind like this guy, I wouldn't have had a struggle with you. But the problem is that you become so familiar with me that you actually can't see me and you claim that you can see me. See, what did Jesus say? There are two groups of people. One group who cannot see, who are actually blind, and another group who think that they can see, but they're actually blind. See, the, 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 the difference between these two people is that these guys are blind and they know it. And they acknowledge it. And they accept it. And they want sight. But these guys, they have been in the church for too long. They have heard too many sermons. They know Moses. You know, that's what these guys said. Right? We know Moses. We are his disciples. They, they have so many traditions to cling on to. They are like, ah, Sabbath is more important to us than this man's healing. And these guys, Jesus said, these guys are the real culprits here. See, the whole story in John chapter 9, it's not even about this blind man. It's Jesus trying to do something to the others who think that they, are, they can see. Jesus is trying to show them that you actually can't see. There is so much more that you can experience if you accept that you are blind. He says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. That's not a problem. If you're, if you're blind, if you can't experience God, if you can't touch and see and hear from God, that's not a problem. That's a problem Jesus can fix. But, if you, but if, you, if, you, if you claim that you can see, if you claim that I have it all, if you claim that I don't need anything, you know, there is something about the presence of God that is very averse to familiarity. When God's people become familiar to his presence, when they become familiar to sermons, when, we, when they become familiar to worship, God's presence, he, he, it's, it's very, very sensitive. It's, it's a worse to familiarity. God doesn't give revelations to familiar people. Write it down. You can, you can, you can take this to the bank. If you have become familiar with the presence of God, you know, in the church, we, we, we have... We have podcasts coming up every morning. We have worship happening twice, thrice a week. And we have so many things happening. It can, it can become so normal that now we are professional worshipers, you know. Now we know the right moves, now the right sound, the right verses to quote, the right accent to use when you're on. You know, everything you know, you become professional in your expression of your love for the Lord. But today the Lord is calling you to ask, do you think you can really see? Or are you willing to accept that you, you are actually blind? The sight that you actually have is not sight. The, what you think you can see is not, not, not it yet. You, there is more that God wants to show you. you. You have to thank God for what you can see, but you have to be hungry for more. You have to be willing to say, no, this is not enough. I, I, I need more. I want more. I'm desperate for more. Today, if you and I, we are going to become desperate like this, then Jesus says, I am going to give you a fresh revelation. I'm going to give you a fresh touch of my presence. You know, the Lord wants us as a church to break off of familiarity, to break off of known patterns and routines of experiencing God. You know what is our routine of experiencing God? Nicely, the keyboard will come and like, wow, I can feel the presence of God. Yes, no, maybe. Especially when Sijo sings. Yeah, you're like, when Sijo sings, man. You know, we've become familiar. We, we, we've, 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 we are saying that this is, this is we, we can see. We know the formula, the ways, how to, how to make it work how to experience it. But God is asking us, God is taking us into unfamiliar place today. Something that we are not used to. Something that we are not, we are, something that doesn't come naturally to us. Can I read this verse for you? The book of Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 16. Read this with me. It says, I will lead the blind Israel down a new path guiding them along an unfamiliar way. What is the Lord saying? The Lord is looking at the blind people, both categories of blind people. Both are blind in their own ways. Both are blind. God is saying, I'm going to lead a blind Israel, a blind church, a blind child of God. I'm going to lead you down a new path. I'm going to, 
I'm going to guide you along an unfamiliar way. Today, we are getting rid of familiarity in God's presence. Today, we want something new. Today, we want something fresh. The Lord says, I'm taking you down a new path. I'm guiding you along an unfamiliar way. Because I will brighten the darkness before them. And I will smooth out the road ahead of them. I will brighten the darkness, he says. Yeah, there may, it may be darkness. Why? Because it's unfamiliar. You don't know what's, what's going to happen next. You know, don't know what decision you will have to take tomorrow. You don't know. It may be blindness. It may be, it may be darkness. But the Lord says, as you take the step of faith, I am going to brighten out the darkness. And I am going to smoothen out the road ahead of you. And then he says, yes, I will indeed do these things. I will not forsake them. Amen. The Lord is saying, I'm going to hold your hands. And I'm going to lead the blind Israel down an unfamiliar path. It's, it's not an overnight healing. It's not a quick, I lay my hands and, you know, it's done. No, no, no. God says, no, I will lead you down an unfamiliar path. You've not been to Siloam before, but today the Lord is leading you to a Siloam. You have not, you have not experienced this Jesus in this way before. Today he wants to release that experience. Thank you for downloading today's sermon. We hope this ministered to you and your family today. Connect with us at dreamingrevival.com and you are welcome to join into any of our Sunday celebration service at 11 a.m. or you can tune into our live stream at youtube.com slash God bless you and have a blessed week.